Let's all stand a moment. Open up the word of the Lord. Let's go to Psalms 78, verses 7 and 8. Today I want to talk a couple of minutes about the committed generation. The committed generation. The word of the Lord reads as follows, Psalm 78, verses 7 through 8. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Notice it says each generation should set its hope anew on God. In other words, it's not automatic. We don't automatically see God. We like to just do whatever we want to do. We don't automatically set our hearts to seek God, to do what's right. It's interesting because if you leave plants to themselves, the weeds always overtake the good stuff. Yes. You always have to be there to watch the weeds from growing. Same thing in our lives. If we don't do anything, we don't seek God, if we don't apply God's laws and righteousness and His principles in our lives, what takes over? Well, same thing, weeds. <laughs> uh, you know, thinking and philosophies that are not good for us. Then it goes on to say, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then... Talking about this generation that would set its hope on you and God. Then they will not be like their ancestors. Stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. Refusing to give their hearts to God. Wow. Amazing. If we don't set our hearts to seek God, that's what we become. We become stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. My God. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Because your word is our anchor, uh, Lord, uh, given up to our own desires and pensions, uh, Lord, we'll just go the way of the stubborn, go the way of the rebellious. But I thank you for your word and also your kindness and your love because you lead us to your pastures. You give us your wisdom, your grace, your favor. And for that, we're so grateful. We're eternally grateful to you. Now, dear Holy Spirit, I pray, lead us and direct us as we share your word. I pray that you minister to us through your word. We'll give you the praise for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated in the presence of God. Uh, did the children get dismissed already? Oh, okay, all right. So, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about the fact that we are in this generation now. And um, on either side, we have a new generation growing up. I'm very troubled by the news very troubled by what we hear, uh, children carrying guns and uh, children in these gangs and killing each other. And, and the part of the problem is that they are uh, being captivated by a philosophy of a pseudo-family, of a fake family. Many times it's because there's an absence of real family. And uh, it breaks my heart because uh, a kid that's 14 carrying a gun really doesn't have his mind totally formed yet. He still doesn't understand the repercussions of life. So they think that it's cool to carry that gun because they're elders, and their elders are probably 18, <laughs> are teaching them, oh, this is the, you know, you want to be a man? This is what makes you a man. No, that's what makes you a killer. That's, what, that's your key, your doorway to a prison, a life sentence, or more than that, an early death. But the scriptures continue to remind us that it is our responsibility those that have received the understanding those that know the word of god we the committed generation to take these children to take these young men and women to share the word of the lord to share the kingdom of god a kingdom has rules has regulations right now if you double park in midtown what happens 
Why? I don't want it. I don't want to get towed. Why? I just want a double park amendment. I just want to run into the store and get a pack of gum. I should be able to do that. Why is it that when you stop by the store and you double park, that you look around five times, you run in the store, you don't walk casually, while you're in the store, you're looking at the car back and forth, right? And you run out as fast as possible. Why? Because you live in a kingdom. And in the kingdom, there are rules, there are laws. And they're also enforcers of the law. And they'll see your car. I don't know how they do. It's magical. It, 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 just, it just tells them, I don't know, something in their brain. Somebody double parked. And they could be five blocks away. And they will find your car. And they know how to do it in two seconds. <laughs> their rules, their regulations, it's just the way it is. If we didn't have rules, if we didn't have regulations, if we did not have patterns... Of, of behavior where we could, um, uh, in, a, in a, co-op, uh, a co-op way, so to speak, cooperative way, all obey the same rules and regulations, there would be chaos. There would be anarchy. Isn't that true? Amen. Yes, it is. I, I live in the Midtown area, so I look at the power of the light bulb. <laughs> Amazing. It's just, I mean, it could be a thousand cars going down one street, suddenly red light, they all stop. Why? Why not purple? Why not gray? Why? Because we agreed together that red means stop. Isn't it true? And today they're taking it to the next level. Now they're using technology. So if you see a light bulb and it's red, and you just have a desire to go, don't. You know why? They're still watching you. I don't know if it's Big Brother or Big Computer or I don't know what it is, but they are watching. About a year ago, I looked at my mail and suddenly I see a, a ticket. And I said, what is this? I have no tickets. But what happened was I went on the yellow. And going on the yellow, before getting there, it turned red. And the thing snapshots the exact moment. See, if it was a human, he would have saw I actually started going on the yellow. But some of these yellows, they're not slow, they're fast. They go, yellow, red. It's supposed to be yellow, A, B, C, M, O, U, S, C. And then it turns red. It gives you that chance. Speed up or slow down. But this one was very quick. And since the snapshot saw it, yellow, and me just underneath, automatically the judge says, guilty, guilty. So right now, there's a lot of people fighting that. They're suing the city. These things are unfair. You know, it's just... You know, it becomes a money-making racket. It's when you take the human element away. But I still rather have lights than no lights. Because otherwise, bam, crash, you know, people would die. Isn't it true? So we need to have laws. We need to have principles. In the kingdom of God, it's the same thing. We live in a certain way where we emit, where we show, where we manifest the kingdom of God, the rules, the patterns. But you're in your job. They'll ask you to do some stuff. You say, oh, I really can't do that. Why? Because my kingdom has rules and patterns and everything. And then you talk to them about your kingdom, the kingdom you belong to. And you know, it strikes a chord in their heart too. And that's how people come to saving faith in Christ. When we share about the kingdom of God, when we share about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Conversely, when we get away, the further we get away from that anchor, from that foundation, the more zany people get. 
See, so we need to allow God's laws to permeate, to saturate our very being so that not only it would bless us, but it will also bless others. So we have several things today in being a committed generation. In Psalms 100, verse 5, it says, The Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. So I want to remind you, this generation is special to God. God loves you. He loves your children. He loves your grandchildren. You are a blessing to Him. So he, he wants you to be blessed. Every generation he's faithful to, including this generation. And then Psalm 65, verse 4, it says, Blessed is the man that you choose, Lord, and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. So God chooses, and he calls out to us. And if we answer, he comes into a covenant relationship with us. He does the major work. We do the minor work. He invites you to his house. He invites you into a relationship with him. Why? Because he has a kingdom here on earth that he wants you not only to be a part of, but he wants you to help succeeding generations also to be connected with him so he could bless them. I often say this, but it's one of the best analogies I can. There were these kids that used to go to the neighbor's house all the time and break into the garden and go to the pool and swim in his pool. And, you know, even though the neighbor complained, the kids would still get in and swim in his pool. One day, the kids go to the pool, and they found there's a chain-link fence all around the pool. So one of the kids said, well, he's not going to stop me from having fun. So he looked at the chain-link fence. He said, I could climb that. So he climbed it while looking at his friends. He says, yeah, this guy's not going to stop me. And the other guy said, no, 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 ah, come on. He, he, he climbed the chain-link fence, ran and threw himself into the pool. And unfortunately, the reason why they put the chain-link fence is because they were working on the pool. So there was no water. And he threw himself in the deep part head first. And now he's paralyzed. It's a real story. This actually happened. So the point I'm making is that the chain link fence wasn't there to keep him from having fun. It was actually there to protect him. So God puts his laws and God puts his precepts here on earth to protect us. Amen. And then we are the ones that always climb the fence. I want to do whatever I please. I want to do whatever I please. You know what I'm saying? It's America. We can do whatever I want. I could smoke 10 packs of cigarettes a day. If I want, it's legal. But is it good for you? No. So God says, protect your body, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes. See, and how do we protect it? Eat right. Exercise. Uh, make sure you don't mistreat it. Don't fill it up with drugs. You know, I could take drugs if I want. Yeah, I could do it if I want. It's my body. But then later on, don't, go, don't look up to heaven and say, God, you're horrible. If you were God, if you were real, you would not allow me. No, on the contrary. He says, I give you moral, free moral will. You make your decisions. He, make, he makes us human beings with real ability to think and to make decisions. And then he gives us the manual. He says, now, here's your body, but here's the manual. Behave according to the manual. You'll live a long and healthy life. You'll be blessed. You'll have great children, grandchildren. You'll have, you'll, you'll have a great life. And I want to journey with you. I want to partner with you. But if you don't read the manual, if you do whatever you want with your body, it's going to shorten your life. Yeah. Amen. Is that not true? Yes or no? Those who smoke 10 packs of cigarettes a day, isn't that true? I mean, I'm not going to criticize the person. He, that's a decision he or she made. But the truth of the matter, it, it will shorten their life. Isn't it true? Amen. See? So we need to understand these patterns are very important. These precepts, these laws are very important. David is an excellent example of, of a person who caught 
this understanding, even though he was a king, even though he was the number one man, he submitted himself to the laws of God. And not only that, he'd share them, he'd write about them, he'd sing about them. He'd let everybody know how important there was in his generation. So the first point I want to say is that we are a chosen generation. God has called out to us. He invites us to his kingdom. He invites us to walk with him and journey with him in this life. In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. See, so when you think you came to God, no, no, he came to you and he invited you to walk with him, to partner with him. You see, and then he tells you, remember, love, love. And it's not just any kind of love, it's agape. It's love people sometimes even when they don't deserve to be loved. I, I got no amens on that. <laughs> Not me, I'm only going to love those who love me. I'm only going to do right by those that do right by me, right? We're like the spit, you spit me, I spit you generation. I don't know what it is, but lately so many people are angry. Just, just so angry, people are so angry. Good morning, what's all good about it? Isn't it true? People are so angry all over the place. Get over it. Calm down. My son, he says this, and he used to get me annoyed. He said it so much, now I said, he said, relax and read the book of Acts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. But yeah, we need to read the word more. And the four gospels and the whole Bible, you know. But truly, uh, we, we're too angry. And the bottom line is, is, it's a mistake. The more angry you are, you, the more you miss out on life. The Bible says, he chose us. So we should receive that and, and flow with that. Number two, we're also a warfare generation. By that I mean there's a lot of war all over the world. There's anger and, and there's hatred all over the world. So we have to be very careful. Uh, the enemy fills the hearts of people and also philosophies that differ. And, and you know we're not very beloved you know, in the world right now. Uh, Americans aren't. And there are a lot of reasons why. I'm not going to get into it now. Uh, suffice it to say that we need to pray for our nations. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for our government because, you know, there are philosophies that compete for each other. And, and right now, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm grateful that I live in the United States. If I lived in Syria, for example, I, I don't know what I'd do. Just last week, it was confirmed that thousands of people died because either the government or so, some rogue agency decided to... Uh, release chemical weapons on entire regions. See, so as hard as we go through it, I don't think we're going through as bad a time as some of our other fellow human beings in different parts of the world. But we do have a responsibility to love them. Jesus said, love each other. So if somebody doesn't like me, what can I do? I can respond with agape. Mm -hmm. yes. Agape is the type of love that will give even though a person doesn't deserve it. And sometimes that's the only love that will break through a heart. Because if all I have is brotherly love, sometimes brothers don't like brothers. Sometimes sisters don't like sisters. What about the eros love? Eros is good, but it's very limited. It's only limited to what I like at the moment. I might not like you tomorrow. I like you today, but I might not like you tomorrow. That's how come I say to the young ladies, if a guy tells you he loves you, test it. Don't give in today. Make him, make him wait a year or so, or three or four, <laughs> or until he puts the ring on your finger. 
You understand? Because many people, they say, love, but is it agape? Is it the highest level? Is it covenant love? Yes. You understand? Right. So, if it's just eros, it might be today and gone tomorrow. And then there's a, an ostorgos kind of love. They're all Greek words for love. But they're different type of loves. I can love my car. I can love my dog. I can love my pet tarantula. <laughs> well, yeah, there are people that, that have a thing with tarantulas and with snakes. They, they love their snakes. They love their tarantulas. But that's not the same kind of love that one has for the children, for example, for their mom, for their uncle. They're higher levels of love. So we have to show people that higher level of love. See, Christians love. How come so many people out there are saying that Christians have no love? Why is it that they say, I don't go to church because there's no love in that place? Why? I know we intend to love, but our manifestation sometimes, our practical application of love, uh, you know, fails miserably many times in the perception of people out there. I think we need to get a, a new revelation of the practical application of agape. You know, that, that love, the highest level of love, that love even when a person doesn't deserve it. You, you get to practice that a lot at work. How many of you have supervisors? You just, you know, you just need a dose of agape right now. <laughs> right? Because phileo is not getting it, that brotherly love is, is just not making it. Huh? Yeah, we have to pray that the, the love of God would flow through us. Because sometimes that's the only thing that will break through. And the third thing is we are in a restoration generation. This is a generation that has lost a lot. We're the first generation that are bearing children that are not going to do as good as us. Because we've lost a lot because of the mistakes, the errors, and the greed of our government. And of you know, people and businesses, or whatever it may be. And I don't know what's the solution to it on a macro scale. I just know what I can do on a micro scale, on a me scale. I can do my best and make sure my children get that extra edge they need. In our church, I, I can do my best to make sure that any advantage I have, I try to give you as much as I can. I try to be open to you. If you ask me a question about finances, I'll share with you my perspective on it. Very simple. Get out of debt. Get educated without paying a fortune for it. And become a master at something. Become a resource. And then do your best. Work as unto the Lord in your job. Even if people don't like you still, work as unto the Lord. You do it as unto God. And you watch how God will turn the tables. But definitely today, you have to get out of debt as quickly as possible. Uh, Right now, just for your information, sometime September... Uh, September, October, that entire period, the government has to deal with some issues, including they're getting to the place once again where uh, they have that uh, debt ceiling. So the government is going to be asking again for another, I don't know, half a trillion or a trillion dollars. In other words, they want to go deeper in debt to continue to pay off the bills. But the problem is they have to pay interest for all of that. And even though Bernanke has been throwing $80 billion um, a month into our economy, our interest rates are still Tricking, trickling up now. The mortgage rates has gone up. Now, part of the problem with that, with the mortgage rates going up, is that the new home builders, they're looking for people to buy, and now people are again saying, oh, too expensive. 
so it has a ripple effect. So coming sometime September, October, there might be another adjustment. Um, because there's definitely going to be a battle. And of course, the Democrats will say that the Republicans are horrible, as they always do. And then, because now the Democrats are in power. If it was the Republicans, they'll say the Democrats. So, you know, it's always a big fight. But the problem is, it trickles down to you and me. So what can we do for our children? Well, get out of debt. Don't act like the government. Amen. I got one amen there. Amen. I said, don't act like the government. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Well, the government's continue to take in more and more money borrowed. Yeah. The advantage they have is they just print more money. Yes. Excuse me, does anybody have a printing machine, a money printing machine? I know I don't. So if I don't, I have to learn to live the way my parents live to a certain extent. My parents live, they used to buy stuff. It's called layaway. Yes. Somebody say, what's layaway? <laughs> well, it's like not using the credit card. It's like putting $10 a week until you pay the thing off and then they deliver it to you. What a concept. Yeah, yeah. So we have to teach this generation coming up that because what will happen is if you do things the right way, you'll have some extra money. And then you take the extra money and you don't spend it. What you do is you invest it. You need to... Uh, turn from being a consumer to an investor. Many of the, the Jewish people, they teach their children as babies yes. to start That's putting true. money away. They open up their, their, their accounts. This is for uh, the Lord. This is for investment. This is for savings. See, so they have a, a special pocket just for investment. And this is money that you don't touch. This is money that you buy stock with, you buy real estate with, you open up a business with, you don't spend it on should I say it, Lord? Well, I need to get somebody angry anyway. So especially for the newer generation, I really, you know, I have to challenge them because otherwise they'll just look at TV and think that's good. I appreciate having a nice pair of shoes. Okay? But there's no way I'm going to pay $500 for these shoes. I don't care what my friends think or don't think. It's not... It's, it's just not that important in the grand scheme of things. I'd rather pay, I don't know, $70, $100 and take the other $400 and invest it in some good quality blue chip stocks. And then leave it there. Put it on a 401k. Buy some gold and silver. Save it for, um, not a rainy day, something that will hold its weight. Something that will, will if, if recession comes, it'll actually go up in value. Exactly. Uh, real estate. You know, things that have tangible assets. Now, what happens here is that Jewish people teach the children that. So as they're growing up, immediately they get into business. Asian folk doing the same thing. Indian folk doing the same thing. So they're coming here. And while everybody criticizes them, guess who owns all the gas stations? What about them 7-Elevens? See, I'm just, I'm being real here. We have been taught to be consumers. Every time we get a little money in our, oh my God, money, 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 money. Yeah. And you go on and celebrate. They won't do that. We have a saying in Spanish. I don't know if it transliterates very well, but I'm going to say it anyway, and then I'll explain to you what it is. No beben soda para no botar los gases. No, no, no. No, soda para no botar gas. In other words, they won't even drink soda. I guess so they won't burp. You know, in other words, it makes sense in Spanish, right? The point I'm saying is that they're so wise and they have such value of 
their finance that even though their body tells them, I want that blouse, or I want them glasses, or I want them sneakers, or I want this and that, they won't do it. You know why? Because they'll invest probably today, and tomorrow they'll own the store that sells the glasses, yeah. or that sells the sneakers. God gives us the power to acquire wealth so that his covenant may be established. In other words, what I'm saying is it's not a bad thing to be the head and not the tail. Part of God's blessing, he says, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. So why is it that we're the tail all the time? Could it be that we're not seeing the power of an investor? Enough said. This is not a, a financial seminar. All right. All right. So we're restoration generation. David knew about that. He knew how to pursue, restore, and recover all. In 1 Samuel 38, uh, that's just, you could write that down and see it at home. You know, he, he asked the Lord, what do I do? And God had him restore everything that was taken away from them. You could read that later on. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Number four, we're the ones that bring back and recover the ark of God. In the ark of God, uh, when we talk about that, we're talking about a worship lifestyle, a, a praise lifestyle, a, a lifestyle that brings in the presence of God, the grace and favor of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, they brought back the ark of God, but they brought it back the way God intended it to be brought back. Yes. One guy tried to do it illegally, and he, that, it ended his life. But when David brought it back according to the laws and the pattern of God, yes. it brought back prosperity, it brought back peace, it brought back joy. So, my lifestyle is a lifestyle of worship. My lifestyle is a lifestyle where I recognize the presence of God is with me. Hence, I, am, I become disciplined because I know who's with me. I know who's in me. Lack of discipline comes from a lack of understanding. It comes from a lack of, of un, un, knowing that God is with you. I'll, I'll give you a very simple example. All right. And this, this one, you, you will all be able to, to know what I'm saying. If I'm walking with my wife, we're walking together. And, and suddenly a model just walks right by me. So you, so you know where I'm going, right? Yes. And some of you guys say, what, 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 what? No, no. Listen, out of respect, right? I'm not talking about I'm a pastor now. I'm just a guy, right? And this model passes right by me. And she's decked up. I'm talking about decked out, decked out. Right. But my wife is next to me. By relationship, I'll go like this. I'll go... See, I, w <laughs> I will do that out of relationship because I respect you know, the one that's walking next to me. Isn't that true? Imagine my wife there and go, yo, mama, what's up? Yeah, woo! You know, you know, I'm not, you know, I mean, that's a... That's a <laughs> yeah, exactly, doghouse for the next three months. But it, it would be a lack of... <laughs> it would be... Well, it could be converse too. I see you ladies oogling guys all the time now. I just, this thing is, you know, there's no difference now. Yeah, you ladies are just as bad. So stop with this, you know, auto-justification stuff. Yeah. But the point I'm making is out of relationship, I discipline myself to please the one I'm in relationship with, right? So the Spirit of God is in me. So, I'm, so when my body wants to go a place where the Spirit of God doesn't want me to go, I know by relationship now... And by revelation, no, I'm not going to do that because I want to please him who, you know, who loved me. See, so it, it helps me to discipline myself so I won't go the wrong way. Because all it takes is one evening 
of mistake to destroy 20, 30, 40 years of, you know, relationship. Isn't that true? Yes. So because of that, I want to make sure that I fall in line with this aspect. We're bringing back that relationship, you know, where I worship God, not just here on a Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. I honor God. I honor His presence. The fifth thing is that we are a prophetic generation. The prophetic generation is a, is a generation that sees more than just what they see with their natural eye. God shows us uh, a potential. God shows us his future, his better future, your better future, your children's better future. And we fall in line with it. And it's like if I want, if I want to become a doctor, what school do I have to go to? Yeah, I'd have to go to medical school. And, and then the specific uh, type of doctor I want to be, I have to go to that type of school, Right? That's after. No, but I'm saying all of that falls in line with being a doctor. You have to know that you want to be a doctor and then whatever specific type of doctor you want to be, you have to get that also that specific type of training. So what happens is when you're prophetic or when you have the future, future picture of that, you're able to fall in line with that. And we as a prophetic generation, Bible says in uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. He'll give visions to old men, dreams to young men, to women and handmaidens. He will pour out his spirit. So we'll be able to see things that God wants to release here on earth. And the reason why he shows us is because it's our hands that make it happen. God shows us, we make it happen. But it's interesting that it says young and old. So this is not just for the young folk. It's not just for the old folk. It's for all the folk. God is pouring our spirit upon all flesh. So all of you, every single one of us, are invited to be able to see the future together with Almighty God. Amen. Wow, so that's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege. So the sixth point is that we are an overcoming generation. Because there's a lot of attacks that have come against us. A lot of issues we've had to deal with. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I appreciate the fact that God gives me that spirit of the overcomer. He never said we won't go through issues. He never said that we will, uh, he'll take away every problem. No, that's not what he said. What he said, he'll be with us always. He'll be with us in the good times and in the bad. In the difficult situations, he is with you. And so he'll help you to overcome. See, the overcomer is a stronger individual because you know what it is to be bruised. You have, you have experienced pain. So that gives you the edge. Uh, people who are born with a, like, I don't know if I want to say silver spoon in their mouth, but who never go through problems, they, they become uh, bobolones. You know what a bobolone is? A, a, a weak person, a wimp, can't take pressure. You, you, you do anything, else, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll will. But an overcomer is someone that's been through it. It's been through a hard time and hard knocks. Man, you can't topple that person no matter what. That's right. They that's become right. indomitable. Yes. A little word, that's a good word. I like that word that I use, indomitable. Indomitable. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Really, really. Suffering has a way of toughening you up. Amen. has a way of making you a conqueror. Yes. And, and look at any good warrior. Any good warrior, before they got into the ring, they got beat up yes. for nine months, yes. you know, in, in during, in, during practice. Yeah, preparation. 
How many of you people see the UFC? Yeah, UFC. Yeah, so the guys, of course, yes, most of the guys. I like the UFC. I, I like that warrior thing. <laughs> and the ladies say, ah, oh, come on. Pat. Yeah, I, I do. I just like that. It's just part of our, our, our guy nature. We as guys, we like football because the guys just hit each other. They slam each, each other. We just like that. Boom. Ah, ha, ha. You know, I just, we like that. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. But when we hear their testimonials, when, when they take us to their homes on TV, they, they show us what they do during their down, the downtime. While everybody's sleeping, they're up at four in the morning running. And all they eat is bird seed. Bird seed and protein. That's all they eat. You can't have cakes. You can't have a, you know, a, a nice cup of latte you know, with a little extra milk, and a little extra foam. They can't have any of that. They, ha- they, have, they live almost like a Spartan life. And they go in the morning and they exercise and they do jujitsu in the morning. And then at lunchtime they go back and this time they do kung fu. And then at four o'clock they come back and this time they do wrestling. Man, that's, how much can a body take? But when you see them come fight day and they step into the, into the ring, I mean, uh, they, they, just, they just tense up a little and, and the muscles come out where the muscles are, you know, all over the... But they've been preparing all of this time. So I appreciate that. And, and God toughens us up for the fight. Spiritually, that's what's been happening to you. Every time you go through a fight, more muscles, more density, more, more strength. So don't feel too bad about your, 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 your battles because the battles are what's making a champion in you. I know I'm not going to get an amen now, but when you're in the ring and you're strong and the enemy comes at you and suddenly he sees, uh-oh, this is a warrior, then that's when you're going to appreciate what I have to say. Because we all have to go through difficult times. Praise God. And lastly, this generation walks in dominion revelation. By that I'm saying in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God told Abraham that we are to be the head and not the tail. That we're to be in charge. God told that to Moses. God told that to Joshua's generation. And he says that to every succeeding generation. We can choose to be the tail or choose to be the head. In Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, so both male and female. So it's not just the man part of, the male part of manhood. It's, it's male and female. Then God blessed them. See, once he blessed them, that word, he blessed them. In other words, he empowered it to be so. That's what blessing means. He empowers it to be so. He activates it. He authorizes it. And then he said, God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. See, so that's our job, to subdue it, to bring it into divine order, to establish God's covenant, God's kingdom. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds, of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Today you're seeing that. You know, a guy like Steve Jobs, he was able to coalesce a group of leaders that now uh, most of you, probably some of you are doing Facebook right now on an on on a apparatus that he created. Isn't that cool? How man controls pretty much most everything on this earth. God made it that way. When God created the earth, he created man. Then he says, you're in charge. I'm giving you the authority. Amen. You have dominion. Yes. So that extends to all of us. See? But now, 
when I, create, when, when I become part of that culture, it's not that I want to think I'm big and bad and, and I'm in charge of the neighborhood. Hey, anything's going to happen, it has to go through me. No, no, no. What God is saying, he's giving you the privilege to be able to partner with him, yes. to be able to bring his kingdom. And we have authority and dominion to do that. We're not supposed to have things control us. We're supposed to control things. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to allow circumstances and situations to overwhelm me. I will overwhelm circumstances and situations. Amen. When things hit me, I will get God's wisdom for the specific situation. I will pray that through. I will, and then not just pray, but then act. I will act. Remember last week I said some of us, we do ready, aim, ready, aim. Aim, 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 but we never fire, we never uh, activate what we know is right. right. This is a season for us to ready, aim, prepare, and then do. Amen. So we are that generation. We are that blessed generation that now will take it to our neighbors, our family members. We're the ones that are going to help our children to do better than us. Our children should be able to get on our shoulders and do better than us. I often say about the story of that king, that wicked king, Ahab. He's got a beautiful mansion. Next to his mansion, there's a little patch of land. And a poor man used to use it to be able to uh, get a garden of, um, I guess, vegetables and things of that. What's that? Grapes. Grapes? Wine? Was it a vineyard? Yeah. All right. So he had a little vineyard, you know, according to my protector here. So, yes, you're right, you're right. I'll take correction. Don't do that again. No, no, if it's vineyards, it's even more important. That's a, that's a deep, deep teaching in itself. So here you have the king who has everything, and you have this poor guy who has a little vineyard, right, who his father gave that to him. It was, it was an inheritance. So the king looks over his wall and he says, Ooh, I like that patch of land. I want it. So he goes over to the guy and says, I want to buy that patch of land from you. And the guy tells him, he says, I'm sorry. I think his name is Naboth. So Naboth goes, I'm sorry. It was a gift from my dad. I can't. This, this belongs to my family. It's been in, in my family for generations. So the king, instead of understanding this, he goes back home and, and he's poo-pooing in his room. You know, because he didn't get his way. So his wife goes up to him uh, and, and she says, my king, what's the matter? Well, he didn't want to give me his land. He says, what are you talking about? You're the king. So she set up a false claim against this guy. They arrest him and they kill him. So the king gets the land. Well, you know, God judged that. The blood of Naboth was avenged. But the point I'm making is, shouldn't that guy, being next to the White House, so to speak, shouldn't, ha- shouldn't he have been protected? Shouldn't that have been the, the, the safest place? Yes. Yet it became the place of his death. Yes. So our kids next to us, right. our friends, our family members next to us, shouldn't that be the safest right. place? Right. So are people becoming better because they're next to you? Yes. Or are they dying because they're hanging out with you? Oh, you see my point? So our generation, we have to understand that we're coming in. We're coming in to save people. We're coming, on, coming in to help people get their heads screwed on right once again. We have that power. We have that anointing. We have that gifting. We have that ability. We have that calling. We have the spirit of God in us. We have the kingdom of God. We function as a citizen from the kingdom of God. So as we allow that to be released, everybody around us is going to be better. Some might not like us because that spirit or that mindset. 
Serious. So some people can't stand the church today. Why? Because we have a kingdom rule and law and culture. Really, it's a, it's, it's a whole culture. But their culture doesn't mesh with the kingdom culture. The Bible says they loved darkness greater than light. So that's why it gets them so angry. So don't get upset if somebody doesn't like you. It's just that they belong to the kingdom of darkness, whereas we belong to the kingdom of light. So since you understand that, you don't get upset at them. You don't lose patience with them. You understand that they just need to have their eyes open. Saul of Tarsus was out seeking people to imprison them because they were preaching Jesus. And what happened? On the way, Jesus appears to him. He says, Saul, why are you attacking me? He says, what do you mean? You're kicking against the goads. See, the oxen used to have an, an, a neck brace around them with sharp spikes. So if they would try to get away from doing their job, it would prick at them. So he says, you're pricking yourself. You're going against your purpose. You know why? He was trained as a classic teacher of the law. So it's, it was supposed that he was a representative for God. But yet he was doing the very opposite of what God was doing. Exactly. Amen. So Jesus shows up and says, listen, you're supposed to know me, but you're doing the opposite. He says, I am the one that you have been fighting for all along. And those people that you're attacking, they're mine. They belong to me. So it's like if you're attacking me. I love that because Jesus got personally involved when he attacked one of his own people. Could it be that somebody's attacking you? He's going to have to deal with Jesus one day. <laughs> Very soon, I might add. <laughs> you understand? So you know, I, I, I love that about Almighty God. He, he gets involved with our deliverance. He, he gets involved. But the thing is, this guy, Saul of Tarsus, was sincere in what he was doing. He thought they were doing something against God. And God shows up and says, no, no, son. You, you, you're in the kingdom of darkness. Now come to the kingdom of light. So he became the great apostle Paul. Yes. Saul of Tarsus, the one attacking Christians, putting Christians in prison, suddenly became the greatest evangelist in that day. Yes. And he helped to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay. Why? Because his eyes were opened. Right. Why? Because somebody dared to preach to him. Somebody yes. dared to share the love of God with him. Exactly. Amen. So as we get ready to leave, I want you to be aware of who you are. I want you to expand the, the ten pegs of your life, of your influence. Because, see, God will expand anything you do. He will amplify it for the, better, for the betterment of people around you, the betterment of your family, yes. your community, of, of the area that you work in. See, the kingdom of God is not limited to just church on Sunday. The kingdom of God is involved in politics. The kingdom of God is involved in education. The kingdom of God is involved in the arts, in, in the sports. Wherever it is, the kingdom of God has to be not only uh, just apparent, but it has to be growing like a big vineyard. Amen. Amen. Because more and more people will be able to, uh, to tap into it and also get life. Amen.